In this lesson, we will consider license. Now, at the inception of this course, we define that land law is predominantly classified by way of proprietary rights, and it's something unique to land law or property law, and how it differs from a personal right. Now, the first type of personal right that we are going to talk about in this course is a license. Now, a license is quite simply a permission to enter land belonging to another without being a trespasser. Now, this permission to enter itself, that component, remains till revoked with due notice and a particular time frame for the licensee. Now, the ideal scenario here, since this is a personal right, is that it cannot be granted or it cannot be transferred or sold to someone else. But let's have a look at the various types of licenses as well when we move on with this particular course. Now, note that a license cannot affect a third-party purchaser since, as I noted earlier, a license is personal and not proprietary. So where there was a license granted to, for instance, A, once the land is sold, a might not have the same particular grant or the license with the new purchaser. However, there are certain instances in which a license may be enforceable in terms of a third-party purchaser. Now, this itself differs in terms of registered and unregistered land. In terms of registered land, if the licensee was in actual possession at the time, then Schedule 1 and Schedule 3 of the LRA 2002 may apply, in which case it becomes an unregistered interest which overrides the register. Have a look at the lesson on registered land as well if you are unclear on the concept of unregistered interest which overrides the register. Now in terms of unregistered land, if the purchaser had notice of the particular license, then it may bind. Now what's notable here is that this is taken on a case-by-case -case basis. Have a look at Ives and High, a case available in your case summaries, which I urge you to have a look at, to have a brief outline on how practical this approach is and how it's applicable on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, there are several types of licenses which are applicable, and we must consider them in turn. The most basic type of license, as the name itself suggests, is a bare license. Now, a bare license is one which is given or permission which is given to enter where there is no consideration provided. There are two fundamental types of uh, bare licenses. One is an express grant, a good example of which is if you, for instance, call a friend uh, to come over for tea. Whereas the secondary component is an implied grant where, for instance, a postman has an implied grant or an implied license to come over and put some mail in, in the letterbox, for instance. Now, in terms of revocation, how long does this license last for? There must be some sort of reasonable time period given to vacate, as was held in Robson and Hallett, another case available in your case summaries. Now, the next type of license is a license which is coupled with an interest. And as the name itself suggests, even in this case, a license is given effect to by virtue of an interest that is enjoyed by this particular person in land. A good example is a profit ponderer, where your interest is to uh, obtain profits from a particular, let's say, a lake by fishing, for instance, but you need a license in order to get to that point. 
or a license to enter land in order to enjoy that profit. However, the licensee would not be able to enjoy the interest without the license. So that's the whole premise here. In order to enjoy the interest, which is a proprietary right, mind you, the license must be granted. So the license itself is dependent upon the interest being in existence. So once the interest no longer exists and it's been extinguished, so would the license which is attached to it or coupled with it. Thirdly, there is the contractual license. Now, this in itself has been considered as an alternative for a lease, so let's have a quick look at that. Firstly, this is granted in return for consideration. Both other licenses that we discussed thus far, which is the bear license as well as the license coupled with an interest, does not require consideration or passing of monetary value. However, here, it's granted in return for consideration. Now, the best example for this is, for instance, a movie ticket or, or, or a hotel for that matter, where you pay an amount and you get a ticket to watch a movie or, or you pay a certain amount in order to have board and lodging at a particular hotel. And whatever the conditions of this particular license, how long it's going to last, the extent of which, all of this depends on the contract itself, the terms which have been stipulated in it. Now, the license does not have to be in writing since it's not an interest in land, but it must have some certain and set guidelines or terms. And the advantage here over a lease, as I mentioned, in some instances people would prefer to have a contractual license over a lease, is that in case of a breach occurring, the aggrieved party can sue under contract rather than going through the procedure of, for instance, usual covenant. Now have a look at Breton and Welsh development, another case available in your case summaries for a, for a better exposition in relation to where a contractual license and a lease differs. Now in terms of a contractual license, there is a component of revocability as well. Now what this means is what happens when there is a breach of the contractual terms. This of course all depends on the terms itself of the contract and the type of loss that has been incurred. But basically, the crux of it is, as remedies, an aggrieved party can uh, invoke specific performance, as was held in Verrill and Great Yarmouth Borough Council, or even an injunction, as in Winter Garden and Millennium Products. Both cases available in your case summaries once again. Have a go through it in order to get a better understanding of revocability, specifically of specific performance and an injunction. Now, another aspect of a contractual agreement, some sort of contractual arrangement, is that it cannot necessarily bind third parties, unless, of course, there's some sort of constructive trust in place. Ashburn, Anstalt and Arnold is a good case to outline where third parties come in and how a contractual license affects them and in what circumstances. Finally, there is the license by estoppel. Now, we briefly touched on estoppel early on in the course as well. Basically, what happens here is you have the three components of assurance, reliance and detriment. As in, there must have been an assurance provided to the aggrieved party. He must have relied on it. And in turn, there must have been some detriment or harm incurred in relation to that aggrieved party. So, any purchaser with notice of a license would be bound by, by way of estoppel. So, Ives and High is another good example, something we cited earlier on as well. Now that we've taken a look at license, 
let's go through a summary of what we just discussed. Firstly, there are several types of licenses. You have the bare license, you have the license coupled with an interest, a contractual license and the license by estoppel. In terms of all of these aspects, there are various stipulations or various features of each type of license that must be looked into in order to determine if the license is enforceable in terms of a third party purchaser. More often than not, it is not. However, in terms of the type of land, let's say registered or unregistered, the circumstances may vary. Now, in the next lesson, we will consider something which is quite important in relation to proprietary rights as well as property law or land law, which is proprietary estoppel.